Welcome back. The Hammer Down Show is on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Don't forget the 1017 The Hammer mobile app. And you can always tell your Alexa to play 1017 The Hammer. Over to the Hammerhead Hotline we go. Uh, one of our most popular guests that we ever have on the show. Uh, you guys know him. You love him. Brian Newbert from goldandblack.com. Uh, Brian, National Signing Day today. Uh, these classes are shaping up now. Not a whole lot of surprises, though, for Purdue today, huh? I mean, it was pretty straightforward when it comes to the signing class. Yeah, first off, you must have some pretty sketchy guests if I'm the highlight. I had Mike Carmen on yesterday, and Charter shows up every now and then. So, yeah, sometimes a little sketchy. As I said, you must have some pretty sketchy guests. (laughs) Just confirmed it. Yeah, no, uh, so far as of 1.47 p.m. when we're talking here, there have been no surprises for Purdue, really. Uh, but one thing to keep in mind nowadays is that the, the transfer wire um, extends beyond uh, extends beyond the traditional signing dates. I mean, that's something that could go all the way into the summer, even. So, I do think nowadays, you know, when we sit here on signing day talking about the quality of a class, the caliber of a class, the instant impact of a class. We don't know. Um, because the transfer portion of this process is so much more important, to be honest with you, than the high school players who sign. Because when you're adding transfers, you're immediately addressing your immediate needs. And that's what affects the product on the field right now more than you know the guys who would typically come in under the, the uh, traditional four- and five-year developmental model. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, too, you could sign 20 freshmen in a class and the game of musical chairs kicks off come spring and all of a sudden 10 of those guys are gone because that's kind of the nature of college football nowadays. That's kind of the nature of college sports nowadays with uh, the open transferring situation uh, going on. So I think the quality of Purdue's class here will be determined by how they do in the transfer portal and they're only a portion of the way into that and i think whatever you know quote-unquote surprises come out of this process they will lie in that area i would anticipate purdue adding a bunch more transfers to the ones they already have they already have an offensive lineman committed they already have a couple of defensive backs committed uh but i would imagine you're going to hear some news at some point probably very soon about wide receiver you know i think you know they're probably still looking at defensive linemen uh running back if an impact guy shows up that they can go get somebody with a little more burst maybe than what they have now. I think that's something they would be very open to. But as of right now, um, with all of the, the majority anyway, of the high school kids signed, uh, there have been no surprises. I want to steal a question that I saw in your uh, chat on goldenblack.com because I thought it was really, really good. Which coach on that staff is the happiest uh, after today with uh, the names that have been signed to Purdue. Yeah, I'll uh, tell you the same thing I just said about the other thing was that I think that's going to depend on how Purdue does in the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think as of right now, it's probably Mark Hagan because I think that Joe Strickland and Nick Carraway were the two edge guys defensively that Purdue wanted. I think J.P. Dieter and Mo Amanade give Purdue some pretty solid uh, interior defensive line help too, but that's a position as well where Purdue's going to be recruiting defensive tackles, Purdue's going to be recruiting pass rushers, and that's a situation where 
if uh, you know Purdue can get impact guys, then I think Mark Hagan is probably the the happiest guy right now because of what he's got from the high school ranks. But he can be a really happy guy if he goes out and finds another um, impact sort of guy who can help them right away. Now, if the portal works out a certain way for Purdue, I think Jamarcus Shepard, uh, the wide receivers coach, um, can be that guy because I think that Curtis DeVille and Zion Steptoe are two pretty good high school recruits mm-hmm. who probably get overlooked in this class because the assumption at Purdue is that they're going to sign really good wide receivers every year. So a couple of years back when they go get uh, Abdul Rahman Yassin, um on signing day, it's just another four-star recruit on the pile, you know. Um, but I think Purdue's obviously looking for transfers at wide receiver, too. I could see them taking as many as two if they can get them. But those are the guys who help you right away. Uh, those are your, your rotational guys next year in the best-case scenario. So if Purdue gets the right two guys there, you know, I think I think the answer to this question could be uh, could end up being Jamarcus Shepard again. Uh, he's, I think, typically probably been the answer to this question every year because Purdue's attracted so much talent at wide receiver, and he could be again this year if things play out a certain way. We're talking with Brian Newbert here on the Hammerhead Hotline from GoldenBlack.com. Does a tremendous job tracking these recruits and these uh, transfers as well. Is there a guy? Look, we know Brady Allen's very good. We know Joe Strickland's very good. Is there a sleeper in this class, anybody in particular that you, you really like to maybe not necessarily make an immediate impact, but a guy you're like, wow, you know, in, in, th- in the next couple of seasons here, uh, Purdue fans are absolutely going to love this guy. Um, I've always been interested in Curtis DeVille down in Louisiana. He just, just kind of watching his film. I think he's kind of raw as a wide receiver, but – I don't know what the SEC was doing there because I don't know how how he got out of the Southeast because he looks like an SEC caliber athlete. He's big, he's fast. Um, you know, he kind of jumped back and forth for his high school between running back and wide receiver. Purdue's probably going to have to probably going to have to coach him up a little bit in terms of some of the finer points of playing wide receiver. But he look, he looks like a really high level athlete. Um, so that's kind of the guy I've I've always sort of thought might sneak up on people again he's a he's a three-star recruit at a school that's just has kind of come to expect four-star guys and you know the whole ranking system is extremely flawed in that regard but i would say probably him um i also can't say i know as much about him as some of the other guys uh i was never actually able to communicate with him during during the process so um but I would say him from an athleticism perspective. There's some other guys in this class. I think I think Mo I think Mo Amanade too here from Westside. I think energy and effort overcome a lot of things uh, in sports, and I think he's going to bring kind of a very unique energy uh, to produce defensive line. And I think that could be something that sort of sets him apart. Maybe not right away, but maybe in year two, year three, kind of something like that. Um, so those are two guys who kind of come to mind. But the reality is, is that with all these high school guys, um, it kind of remains to be seen because I think that, you know, the high school recruit, to be honest with you, is probably less important than he's ever been before because a lot of your immediate needs are going to be met with the, with the transfer portal. And that's going to choke off a lot of 
you know, the early opportunity that typically uh, fell to freshmen outside of the, obviously, the really special ones. If Purdue gets a Rondell Moore tomorrow, if Purdue gets a David Bell, if Purdue gets a George Karloftis, that kid is playing right away because that kid is special. The rank-and-file guys who might have filled in gaps in years past, those are the guys who probably are going to see their opportunities uh, sort of not materialize the way they might have in the past. But um, who those sleepers might be uh, probably is a question for year two, year three. Uh, now probably more so than ever. But the guy who's always sort of intrigued me anyway uh, on the list is probably Curtis DeVille. So with all that, I know this transfer portal stuff still a, a little bit fresh. Do you think changes are going to have to be made here long term? Uh, that's a fundamental change, just how this game is being played. I know a lot of the big-time coaches are upset with NIL. They feel like the money's just being kind of thrown around. I mean, the, the, the landscape of, of college football specifically in the way kids are recruited in the playing time they can be promised has changed dramatically here over the last couple of years here now you got coaches bailing on on bowl games brian uh, you feel like there's going to have to be some changes down the road here or can college football adapt to things the way they are right now well they're going to have to adapt because what you're not going to do if you're the ncaa is take away transfer freedoms that that, that they put in place there's no going back on uh, on NIL. That's that's part of the fabric of the sport now, as it should have been a long time ago. But um, I think everybody just has to kind of a, kind of adjust to the new world order. I know that that some of the older coaches and whatnot don't like how much things have changed, but they're either going to have to adjust or they're going to have to get out because there's no going back now on any of this stuff. And a lot of this stuff is is I don't like the transfer reform, but I also understand completely that these guys should have ultimate control over their careers. I just don't like it in the sense that I think everyone everyone benefits from a strong, stable game. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think the chaos that kind of comes from this and the impropriety that comes with this are things that can really hurt the game um, in a lot of ways. But I think that... Uh, as I said before, there's no going back on any of this stuff. You can't put something on the table in the name of doing what's best for the student-athletes and then take it away. Uh, that's just not going to happen. Um, so I think there's a lot of adjustments to be made here by a lot of different people, a, a lot of different populations involved in college football. But they're just going to have to deal with it because it is the way things are going to be here from, from now on. And uh uh, as I said before, the coaches who can't acclimate to it are going to get left behind, so uh, they better get ahead of the game and not behind it. It feels like in football, they, they use the term wild, wild west out there a lot. That That's kind of the way the landscape has developed with those new changes. I don't feel that seems to have the same impact in basketball. Is that just because we're talking about uh, fewer players on a team, fewer needs on a team, that uh, it just doesn't seem as overblown in basketball as it does in football? Well, College basketball has always had it, its own unique set of challenges, as anybody who's heard about FBI wiretaps knows. <laughs> um, it'll get the basketball. I mean, I think everybody in basketball is bracing for the reality that they're going to be losing players every year, and that they're going to have to they're going to have to go go replace guys 
out of the transfer portal themselves, or they're going to have to sign more freshmen every year than they have scholarships uh, to adjust to the reality that there's going to be some fluctuations on their roster every year. I think when you look at Purdue, I think you know that's probably something that they don't really want to build their program around. Um, I think they're going to keep recruiting the same kids, but they're probably going to be a, a little bit extra, um, a little bit extra conscious of fit. Which isn't to say that 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 they weren't as conscious as they could be prior, but I think that uh, it's something where Purdue's going to want to make sure that they're getting the right kid in the program, not just because they feel like he's best wired to be successful at Purdue, but because he'd be willing to to stick it out if you know the world isn't his oyster from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, but college basketball is going to be, uh, you know profoundly profoundly impacted by this as well i mean there is no you know dirtier landscape probably than college basketball recruiting in a lot of ways historically and the tampering that'll go on um with players will exceed that of football tenfold because one player makes so much more of a difference in basketball than he does in football um in football you will have some tampering uh with guys, but I think in basketball it, it will be way worse because if and I, I always I always hesitate to use the actual names of schools here uh, because I don't want to come off like I'm accusing anybody of anything. But let's just say hypothetically, Kansas needs a point guard. Mm-hmm. You know, next year somebody gets hurt, somebody somebody decommits, somebody's not eligible, somebody goes pro early when you know so and so wasn't expecting them to how easy is it now for that school to go mess with other people's players um, to go fill that need right away? It's just this sort of thing that that is going to be a real problem in college basketball. But also, I mean, college basketball has had so many problems over the years anyway with this stuff that it's not like it's not part of the – it hasn't been part of the landscape all along. It's just kind of a different part of the landscape now. Uh, I've kind of gotten off track with this answer here. It's okay. Uh, So I I can't even remember your question, but (laughs) – I think that I think that that the largest point that can be made here is simply that a lot of things have changed, a lot of unintended consequences are going to come with those changes and everybody's either going to have to adjust to it or get left behind. And the NCAA is going to have to do a good job to the extent to which it's capable of uh, of policing this stuff. You know, we've, we've talked a lot over the over the last few months about 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 name image likeness and you have your first people stepping over the line already uh texas has something going on where they're they're paying all their offensive linemen uh when i say they i mean boosters are paying yeah their offensive linemen 50 grand a year to be part of quote charitable endeavors which as far as i understand the definition of charity that's not charity uh if you're if you are if you're paid to do it it's also not name image likeness because name image likeness at its very core is about the individual and not the group. Um, and it's also just a blatant recruiting incentive. So that's going to get dissolved at some point, I would have to think. Um, so, you know, over the next few months, the NCAA is going to have to, going to have to have to go after a few of these clear people who are stepping over the line here and really get this thing under control to the extent which they can. The NCAA does not have 
a great history of getting things under control <laughs> typically, but you know, it's going to be a really important next six months to a year here uh, in terms of, you know, some order coming to this at the hands of the NCAA, at the hands of the university presidents, at the hands of whoever's involved in making sure that all of these changes are implemented in a functional manner. Because, there, as I said, there are a lot of unintended consequences with this. There are a lot of very, very predictable uh, outcomes that could have come with this. And a lot of people didn't waste any time kind of of jumping all over them. And uh, it's going to be really important that there's some some effective guardrails that are put in place here to make sure that that this whole thing doesn't get completely out of control. Brian Newbert from goldenblack.com. Again, the best when it comes to just tracking all this recruiting, the transfers. Uh, he does a tremendous job, and heck, we're you know, it's still anticipating some basketball news, I think, before the end of the month here, too. Uh, so you want to be following Brian, you want to be a member over at goldenblack.com, trust me, uh, it is fantastic stuff. I'm a member, and I absolutely love it. Brian, we always appreciate the time, man. I'll tell you what, time flies when we're talking with you, man, but so much good stuff. We really do appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for, thank you for putting up with my 15-minute answers to 20-second questions. <laughs>